Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. And also, if you're a Patreon supporter, we give away a box of books every week to one of our Patreon supporters, and we have more bonus episodes and bits and pieces quick plug for a cancer relief charity benefit gig that i'm doing with josie and it's as well as josie the charlotte church billy bragg mark thomas james acaster holly mcneish chris stokes uh, alistair barry it's going to be a really brilliant night it's at the new wimbledon theater it's on the 23rd of october go to the cosmic shambles site look up for the night for helen and barry it will explain what it's all about why are we doing the gig so please have a look 23rd of october and encourage other people to come billy bragg charlotte church mark thomas josie me holly mcneese james acaster and more come along bye okay I'm come on. hello Hello, welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles. Uh, hope, trust you're well. Hope things are all right wherever you are in the planet or the future. Um, our guest today is Matt Lucas. How exciting. Hello, thank you so much for doing this. Carefully, if you say how exciting, we haven't said how exciting with any of the other guests. Well, and then when they find out, there's going to be all <laughs> manner of like hissy fits, aren't there? Next ones we do, I'm going to say, oh God, our guest is. <laughs> and then thrilled about it um i first i'll start off we'll give a little bit of background hello anyway hello matt lucas the first time i worked with you i think would it have been 1993 comedy cafe probably a wednesday night you doing sir bernard chum yeah that sounds about right yeah yeah and that is before josie was born (laughs) yeah well well according to her official agent's timeline but as we know she's actually in her late 60s right and i look great for it i do do. you you could pass for 59 (laughs) so you got a book out so this is it's your autobiography and uh why did you decide now was the time to uh, collate your existence? Well, I got this job on Doctor Who and I'd done uh, a sort of cameo role in the Christmas special and then I was coming back for sort of two or three episodes or something. So I thought, I'll have have a bit of time, you know, because when I'd done Doctor Who before, I had all these days where I wasn't in and what have you. And so I thought, oh, maybe it's time to to write something. And I'd I'd always avoided or resisted um, attempts by publishers for me to write, uh, you know, something autobiographical. Uh, I just, uh, um, you know, because as much as there's things you want to say, there's a lot of things you don't want to say. And um, But then I thought, well, I've got a bit of time and my head's quite full and I'd like to upload some stuff out of my head. Mm. And then I came up with this uh, concept, which is to do an autobiography but not make it strictly chronological. It's sort of vaguely chronological. But what it is, it's an A to Z of me. Um, uh, and so, like, B is for baldness, G is for gay, J is for Jewish, things like that, where I, where I sort of um, take different aspects of my life and career and sort of... They're, they're sort of essays, as it were. But it is it is an autobiography. And had you read it, uh, uh, Robin, you'd know <laughs> um, that it, it hopefully does work. Um, I'm, I'm being facetious, of course. You're writing your own book at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been rejected once by the publisher. We're going to do another one. Oh. Yeah, I've got. Well, in fact, we have got a book coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I the, your book, which is now all bound and ready. Yeah, and I today must uh, deliver the final uh, bit, a chapter of the Infinite Monkey Cage book, which comes out on the same day, and as yet has not even been stapled uh, or proofread. Really? Or yeah. Uh, as science books go, <laughs> it's frankly more erratic than what goes on in CERN. Right. So I'm very surprised that Brian Cox has allowed us into this situation. I'm only hoping he's going to use some kind of time anomaly to uh, manage to uh, cheat the <laughs> oh, erratic Robin. possibilities. I, the wormhole's broken all along. <laughs> um, well, I would I would add just to everything um, uh, that uh, I was wrong about Doctor Who that I didn't have very many days off. (laughs) I thought I I would do. And actually what ended up happening was they kept sticking me in more episodes than I thought. So I ended up doing... Which uh, is such a great compliment to you. The whole series. Well, I don't know. Thank you. But so I ended up actually sort of getting up at six every morning and, you know, leaving the flat, filming, getting back at 7.30 in the evening and then... Going to sleep. Well, no, I wish. Having a bath, learning lines for the next day and then three hours of writing. That's so, interesting. Like, yeah. I, I always think about, like, what time of day people have chosen to write and how that might affect how they're writing. Because, like, I I only got the book today, but I read it for a bit today and I, I feel like it's very warm and it doesn't come across, like, I don't know, there's no, like, late night energy to it in that way. There's no, like, oh, I've got to get this, you know. Oh, I see. Well, as you get through warm. it, I think there are some late night chapters. I know that sounds like a slightly esoteric... Um, thing to say but the book was written at night actually and I think there's something quiet and intimate about the night isn't there and there's something yeah, that's true I mean it's not just dark outside it's it's, it's conspiratorial yeah and and mystical hmm. you know I mean look at horror movies all that stuff goes on at night doesn't it everything happens at night yeah but then also yeah there's something really interesting to that like quiet at night writing it's like solitary but it's safe it's loads of stuff six Sorry, in the morning is quite yeah. good as well because yes, i've had to do the monkey cage book at six in the morning when i went on holiday really uh it was like well you family you may sleep i on the other hand said and i found that that point where you know that you should perhaps you're beginning to wind down the writing because activity you know dawn is over light is full there is the beginning of activity on the seafront and you think all oh, right there we go so i've managed to do that first three hours of the day of just writing and you you were telling me this and i didn't believe you because that bit the idea of waking up and starting to write immediately you feel oh no i really need to wake up first and have a cup of coffee do and my do those things and actually you don't you can just go right with a tired brain and very quickly your brain goes no i can yeah we can put something together here yeah hopefully I think that time of day is a, like if you write as the first thing you do, I think it's a really great time for your brain because it's almost like your brain's like, oh, okay, we'll just put those together. I Make did find trying to write a piece about parallel worlds and quantum behaviour uh, at 6am was very difficult. And really, I shouldn't have been doing that. It's very much Brian's job. Mm. Uh, so I, I just sent it to him. I said, just mark this as if it was, you know, a GCSE exam. <laughs> and that's how we'll put it in the book with you going, no, how many times have I got to tell you? So you, like I was saying, when I first saw you, I thought, this is someone who... Because Bernard Chumley was was a Sir Bernard Chumley. Sir Bernard <laughs> Chumley. Were you Sir at that point? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh, right from the start. Oh, yeah. Um, well, well. <laughs> that's what I love it. That's all you got. That's all I can contractually do now. Yeah, that's all I'm allowed to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that 
But I did you when did you start? I mean, did you have things like all of those those books that were come the, the spin off books uh, that perhaps you were a little bit too young for? Because of course, for me, there were things like the Not the Nine O'clock News books, mm. the Goodies books, the Monty Python. I did, books. and in fact, my I got for my birthday Wadden Peeps, which was the Harry Enfield loads of money stroke Stavros book, and I was thrilled. And I remember getting I I love the Smith and Jones books, mm. and I'd have their LPs as well, and. Um, I had some not nine o'clock news books. The young ones book, uh, uh, Bachelor Boys, was a must-have. I think it was called Bachelor Boys. Yeah, it still Everybody... has that bit about uh, what's it? Uh, my knob's bigger than Heathrow Airport. There was a quote quotation page on the back, <laughs> and one of them was just uh, my knob's bigger than Heathrow Airport. John Noakes. And then it would just go down and it would go, no, it's not. I've seen it. It's tiny. You bloody lie. You bloody liar. No, it's not. And I remember that joy again when I, that book must have, I must have been 15 when it came out. And just, that was the funniest thing ever. And it's a laughter that I'm not sure you can ever experience again. There's a certain point of adulthood. You can still have joy and happiness. But there is, even with a page, without actually another human being, there is a conspiratorial thing Mm. with that moment of... Reading in the half light, John Noakes to him that his knob was bigger than his. Oh, I love it. The spitting image books, did you get them? Mm. They were wonderful. And they spent so much money on them. I mean, they looked, you know, they had great photo shoots and, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So all all of that kind of stuff, and even uh, there was a Vic Reeves Big Night Out book which I loved. I was, I was I was probably sixteen or seventeen by then, so a little bit older. But um, yeah, I cherished all of all of those things. Yeah. And so when you were doing, for instance, like there was a Little Britain book, how much was that? Uh, did you would you like to replicate it? Because I know that in fact more recently with things like uh, Little Britain and League of Gentlemen, it's, it's almost like that. Well, quite a lot of it may well be be script because people want that now. Like the yeah. Strip so we had like Little Britain script books. Um, certainly for the first two series, I can't remember if we had one for the third. But we were quite. I mean, it, it was a busy time for us because we were we were writing the show and we were doing lots of promo and stuff. But we did you know, an okaying designs for Little Britain, Lou and Andy slippers and all that kind of stuff. But we did write extra content for the books. And um, and similarly, when we had the tour programme, you know, that's almost like a book. Uh, we were, you know, because we were both, David as well had had these these books. Um, but it was interesting because we did, we did, there was an official book uh, about David and me uh, I think maybe it was called Inside Little Britain, which Boyd Hilton wrote. Mm. But it was an official book where he followed us around for our Little Britain tour. And the, you know, the cover is by Sam Taylor Johnson or Sam Taylor Wood, as she was then. And it's it was uh, I remember we were doing a signing for it in Brent Cross and we'd already done signings for the Little Britain DVDs and the Little Britain script books. And even when the radio series uh came out on cd we did our first ever signing and that was mad i mean like chaos i mean it was madness we had no idea what a big deal we were and there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of people descended upon uh, i think it was virgin or tower records uh, wow. um, but i remember being with david sat next to him on a, on, a, on a desk on a big stage in brent cross shopping center and there was, again, hundreds, maybe a thousand people all queuing up to get their, their books signed. Um, and it was this Inside Little Britain book. And he said, see all these people. They don't want this book. We should have given them a Little Britain annual. And I thought, yeah, you're right. You know, because actually, um, 
you know, it, at the height of it, at the height of your success, I don't think people do want an autobiography mm. or, or a biography. At the height of it, they just want pictures and jokes and mm. fun and badges and stickers and fridge magnets. That's what they want, you know, catchphrases. And um, so now I've had enough distance from all of that, that, that crazy period, that it felt like the right time to write this book. Oh, what a beautiful segue. You can tell he's a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anything, I feel my head is too full of memories. And so I just wanted to get them down and then upload them and clear some space in there. So I knew I'd be all right. And I also knew that once I'd found, once I'd unlocked this door, which was um, doing it in, in this A to Z, and I'd go, okay, this is a chapter about eating. Okay, this is a chapter on, you know, living in America or whatever, that actually that was the way to kind of corral and marshal all my thoughts. So um, it was hard to write the book because it took a lot of time and because, you know, because I, I was still figuring out how to do it as I did it. And, you know, I had L was for Little Britain, which made sense. And I thought, well, I better start at when I met David. And suddenly the chapter was 50 pages long. And I went, well, this is no good because I've now written almost the whole book. You know, I've already done a couple hundred pages of this book and we're still on L and this is no good. So then I kind of reorganized things and changed things. So my relationship with David is covered over five different chapters in the book, different aspects of our relationship, different things we worked on, different times that we were together. Um, and but, but I found that that it really unlocked unlocked something for me doing doing this like A to Z, yeah. It really... And it's enabled me to be disproportionately stupid because there's whole chapters on things that are not very significant. Uh, but there are chapters on things that are more significant as well. So it's like a freer way of approaching it than having to be like, well, that didn't happen in 1993, so I can't put it in. Exactly. And I, I just thought, you know, um, I, also, I also think there's this other thing, right, which is that if you say I'm doing a conventional autobiography and it starts with I was born in blah, 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 then then, you know, it, it, you're basically, there's a sort of unwritten declaration that what you're writing is comprehensive, complete, definitive, and covers everything. Mm. And the reality is I didn't want to cover absolutely everything. I think you have to be um, careful if you still want to work. And I think, I think you know, I, if, I, I, if I was writing this book in 40 years' time, I might be a bit more shitty about other people. <laughs> but you have to Who's be a dead? bit... It's time for volume three. <laughs> exactly. You have to be a bit... You know, you have to be careful that... You know, I mean, and, and, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm, there's, you know, this person who I work with who was really, really mean to me and everyone else. And, and, like, it was a massive part of the experience of that particular show that that person behaved like that. It was a really defining part of the experience for me, sadly that they behaved in that way and then I thought well firstly you don't want to come across as self-pitying because mm. that is the least attractive trait in anybody and and secondly I thought every autobiography that I've ever read and enjoyed would have had stuff omitted like that mm. you know none of my none of my favorite books are of people slagging off other people mm. and I think I, I I don't think any any of those are, 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 are very enjoyable beyond the initial kind of thrill of oh my god I can't believe that they've written that bit of gossip about that person yeah. but I think it's a very reductive thing to do when you you know when you hear a celebrity um, bitch about their colleague you know in an article or an excerpt from their book 
it's actually actually as much as you think less of the person they're writing about you also think less of of the person who is writing and i thought well every autobiography i've ever read and enjoyed most of them were, were were relatively positive volumes and all of those authors would at some point have said well yeah, that person was really horrible to me, but I'm not going to write that in this book. Mm. You know, I don't want this book to be about that because this book is is the legacy, you know, in a way. It sounds rather grand, but it's true because this is the opportunity for me to say things about my life. And so I don't want bad things, nasty things in there. And and when I when I came up with this idea of doing the A to Z... It allowed me to just cherry pick what I was comfortable mm. writing about. Now, having said all of that, um, I am still very tough on myself in the book, I believe. And also, there is a lot of very candid, honest stuff in there. So it isn't it isn't uh, a whitewashing. It isn't a, a sort of glossing over event. But you do you do have to be judicious in when you write an autobiography, and you have to really think about the impact it's going to have on someone else's life I mean there's an autobiography that somebody wrote and they made a couple of comments about me in there because we'd worked together and the comments weren't the things they said about me were were negative but they also were actually factually factually completely incorrect I mean they were just they just simply weren't true I want to know who this is and and it it doesn't matter but but it, 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 it then the person wrote to me a few years later and said I'm really really sorry I was off my head on coke when I wrote that book and I just it was a really nasty book and I'm not proud of it at all and I've been contacting various people to explain myself and I said yeah that's, you know that's fine like I didn't I think when someone gives you an apology you you accept the apology and sure. and it, more than anything it just explained why, why he, that, was that person did what they did because I was just a bit I was just a bit baffled by it you know I was just con- I was confused because I thought well yeah I know things you know I know we hadn't got on like that well but I was I didn't think that there'd been like we'd had far more good times together than bad, mm. and I was very surprised that they'd done that. So they said, "In the, when I write my the next volume, <laughs> I'm going to write really nice things about you." Yeah. Oh, okay. Just but got like, producer Trent. Can you go onto Internet Movie Database yeah. and just print out all Matt Lucas's credits? Because then yeah. we'll be able to work <laughs> out uh, which person it was. We'll it uh, down. He's given us enough clues, I reckon. Oh, to be honest um, with you, to be honest with you, I got off lightly. It was literally like two lines about about me it was like it was nothing it was nothing that you would even remember you know it was just but that somebody you, said oh did you read weird. x's book he just said that thing i was like that's really weird because that never happened hmm. that was it it was like that was the extent of it that's so it was an intriguing thing isn't it the perspective the fact that all of us are having subjective experience mm. and so if you read any book which you might appear in you think not even to not to that extent but there's still that moment of each uh direction uh, that you are being observed in and the observer slightly changes, you know, what you think. Oh, what? definitely. Well, I, this... And it can even be, well, I didn't think we had that good a time on the shoot or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Well, the new the new concept is, um, uh, well, in fact, a different person wrote their story and it's someone I know and a mutual friend of ours. Uh, I was I was chatting with a new mutual friend of ours about it and I actually haven't read the book, but, but in this in the book, this person describes feeling suicidal on this particular day and my friend and he says how he was out with this friend that day and the person that he was out with you know we were talking recently he was like I had no idea he was feeling like that on that day you know so so these books are very revealing but there is this strange concept and I've heard I've heard it in America where people talk about my truth 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is my truth. <laughs> and I just go, right, my truth is an oxymoron. You can't have your truth. You can have your opinion. You can have your experience. But your truth is not, there's no, that doesn't mean anything. But that's now being used as, mm. you know, also, <clears throat> like the idea of um, that phrase hating on, somebody being being a hater, um, has been used as, you know, like Justin Bieber will say, you know, all the haters out there. And I, and, and I think, well, yeah, all right. If you set aside the small minority of people who just genuinely do troll, um, it sort of reduces everyone who is being critical of you into the role of a hater, mm. which, which what you're trying to do, whether you realise it or not, is kind of uh, undermine all criticism, fair or unfair. So it's a strange thing. So I'm very weary of saying this book is my truth, but this book is my truth. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, when was it available again? October, October the third. Yeah. Oh, When's right. your book out? Um, well, I haven't finished it. Give me a chance. Talk quicker. I've got to go back to typing it. Have you? The, got, um, have you got a book out this year, James? No, I. You, I just, you definitely missed your deadline for the one you uh, were yeah, meant to write two years ago. Yeah, the one I was supposed to write it's ten years ago, nearly. Really? I am. Um, yeah. I. I was. Josie, gonna... very long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So... Sadly true. We were coming I, up with all the puns for her autobiography. Yeah, Long yeah. way to the top, I think, as well, because that is like, oh, it's the, oh, the long oh yeah, it's not yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long and winding road. That was for you. Yeah. That's the long and short of yeah. it. I, was, I mean, uh, it's going to be a delight if I ever do anything noteworthy enough to write about. I, I was, should have done Lucas talking. Yeah. Oh, missed, nice. I missed that. Just thought of that now. Now all I want to do is think of puns. Under the mat. Oh, he went the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's very interesting to think about an autobiography as, because like you were saying, like there's things that you want to write because that is like your, what you feel is like really important to say, but then in the editing of it, you're making a separate thing. You're making a work for people to read. And so like, yeah, like, I, I don't know how this is going to form into a question, but like how, how did that process work with your editor and stuff like that? Was it a case of like them and you like shaping a story, or was it a case that like it happened that most of what you wrote ended up being like? I think the first draft was just anything, and like I say, it was fifty-page chapters and things, and then um, we kind of and I stopped halfway through the first draft and went, okay, if I write the book the way, if I carry on writing this book in the way I'm writing it, um, it's going to be a two-volume book. And I yeah. don't think... I, I'm willing to do a two-volume book. Do you want a two-volume book? And they're like, no, we don't want a two-volume book. Because I was like, you could put the first half out this year, the next half next year, or something like that. They were like, no, we don't want that. We you know, we want a, a single volume. And I was like, oh, that means I have to cut all that stuff. And then I was like, yeah, good. Actually, that, that means the book will actually be what it should be, yeah. which is the A to Z of me. And it should be digestible, um, you know, and just because because I, I thought I was kind of like I would come up with this concept, but then I was still just going to write everything. And no, the book needs to be selective. And there is, of course, that thing <coughs> which you get told when when, you know, early on in, in, in the creative process of uh, when you start out being a creative person, um, less is more, you know. And and I think that is the case in the book. I mean, the book is the length of a normal autobiography. Mm. So it isn't just a book that you pick up off the counter. I mean, it is a, a full autobiography, but some chapters are very short and others are a good deal longer. But but it is, 
I think it's relatively economically told. I think it zips along. The editor was great. The editor just said Simon Thurgood, he'd say, oh, I think this goes on a bit. And, you know, and actually, why don't you expand on this? This is interesting. Or I think we've covered this already here. Very occasionally, he'd suggest something and I'd say I disagree, but I'd always explain why. And uh, um, they were really good. They were really good. Canongate. I would recommend anybody who's in a position to... They you are know, a great publisher. <coughs> yeah, to write a book. You know, I, I had it was it was a very positive experience, and I'd love to write something else and work with them. I thought they were really good. David Eagleman's Sum, that's a Canongate book. Uh, uh, the Nick sorry. Cave introduction to I forget which book of the Bible it is is due to Canongate. I think the. Uh, um, I was just they've published a really good book by Robert Webb this year as well. Well, we interviewed oh, yeah. him. I was going to say actually, yeah. we interviewed him a few weeks ago, and he, similarly to what you said, he said he couldn't have written his book if his father and his stepfather hadn't died. Yeah, he well, said, look, there are he, definitely he, he things... that that, yeah. that was... Uh, I think he, said, he didn't say it with us. I think he said it on Radio 4 on Women's Age. He said it, he he would not have felt comfortable revealing what he reveals. And, and like you, he said, you know, he's tried to be as hard as possible on himself. But there are obviously some of the men that were in his life, the way they behaved is probably a way they would not wish to be shown to... Yeah, you know. and, and, and I think that is... Uh, the dilemma of any writer writing about people that they know and uh, yeah so it's not just about professional people it's also about you know family members and friends there are things I can be as as sort of honest as I want about myself but I have to be respectful of other people's privacy and um, yeah yeah so that that is that is a factor but I don't think it detracts from what's in the book I don't think I don't think it's a book where you think oh that's missing so I always remember that Michael Barrymore, I think possibly is, was it back in business? I can't remember which Doesn't mention him being gay. Well, it was, the, yeah, the unfortunate yeah. timing of, it's a very brave book in which he's nobly admitted that he has a problem with drink, but unfortunately, almost, it felt to me, on the day of publication, he came out and they went, ah, this honest book about drinking now appears to have... Uh, but in fact, I was going to ask you, because I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the chapter you wrote uh, about being gay, and you talk about... Um, Ron Peck's film Nighthawks mm. as being uh, a very important, as you said, it's a low budget British film, uh, which is, I don't know, I, I suppose the most just openly, I suppose before that you'd have films like Victim, which are, uh, you know, Dirk Bogard films. Because that... I wanted him! <laughs> yes, it, oh, it's, uh... I love screaming that. Oh, is that about him being blackmailed? He's yeah, being blackmailed yeah. because yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. Yeah, and it was a very... showed me that when I was a teenager. People yeah. do actually still consider that to be one of the reasons that perhaps legislation eventually changed. Wow. Was it, it was, and it's... Oh, uh, yeah, it was Nature played this trick on me. Yeah. Which I think with Morrissey then kind of used in... It was the first film to invite empathy for people who are homosexual. One of the first. I mean, uh, is it called A Taste of Honey? I think that has a gay yeah. character Murray as well. Murray Melvin. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else did I read? Um, I just... Yeah, yeah. Edmund White's books. Um, so Boy's Own Story. Boy's Own Story and Beautiful Rooms yeah. Empty were, were, were really important. Um, also, I read this trilogy of novels, and I think he's recently written a fourth one about 20 years later by an author called Michael Carson um, about a boy called Benson. And you first meet him when he's about um, uh, five or six. And you follow him all the way through his life uh, as a, as a, from a gay Catholic boy into a gay man. And um, there's um, Sucking Sherbet Lemons, Stripping Penguins Bear, and I can't remember the name oh, of the other one. Sucking Sherbet Lemons, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael Carson. And it's... Um, 
which is a nom de plume. I don't think that's the author's actual name, but I uh, really that was a big book for me in coming out. The other big thing coming out for me was a, was the play uh, Jonathan Harvest play Beautiful Thing. Oh, which was made into a film as well. Which was made into a film around that Mm. time. It's a good film, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, That was another big, very important piece. Um, And so tender as well. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. What do you read? I mean, when you're, for instance, making it, you were saying Doctor Who. You know, you had quite well. You do, and in 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 the last series. It becomes an increasingly uh, important part. Um, But are you the kind of person that when you know you've only got a few scenes to do during a day, will you carry a book with you on set? Will you read something? Um, Well, like I say, when I was doing this show, I was if I had suddenly an hour and a half of downtime, which I didn't have that often. But if I did have it, I'd be in my trailer writing, writing the book. Um, You know, I don't I you know, the thing that worries me is the overwhelming presence in my life of. Twitter, Instagram, mm. WhatsApp, text, iMessage, emails, and and it's and it's very hard I find to wade through it uh, to get to a book, and I'm I'm scared about that. I've just read Simon Amstel's new book, oh, it, wow, which is help, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's brilliant, and everybody here once they bought mine should should read that. What type and of book is that? Oh, it's an auto, an, it's also an autobiographical. Oh, you know that kind of book. miserable old rubbish that Amstel always does. Look at this. He is. Cheap. He's really fascinating. I, I have to say, as a stand-up, I find him. Like I think when I first worked with him, and we worked on a not very good. Yeah, you know, we had a lot of fun because we knew we were working on a series that was not what it was. Meant what to was be. it? It was a Sunday morning series that was kind of one of those things where you know when it starts off with you just going you know we're going to make we're going to make a show like this and you think a bit like oh, all the time what was it go, called oh, it was oh god I remember this it was Sunday morning on it BBC was live two. it was BBC or Channel 4 it might be BBC do you know what I can't yeah, but I just remember yeah because Kevin worked on it I think oh really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and we it was a to... uh, um, talk back yeah, yeah, that show. Yeah, and it and it was uh, it was not the show that it was meant to. Uh, they never have are. Been. And it was uh, Will Hodgson turned oh, up on it. That's uh, great. Um, it was the <gasps> first time remember. Lee Nelson did uh, his really? his character, I think. And it was a lot. And, and I've always got on. I, I like Simon a great deal. And oh. I think what he now does in stand up is. Uh, is fascinating. Yeah. It, the one that he brilliant. did filmed at uh, the BBC in a kind of studio without any form of decoration. Uh, and I like the fact that he has he has that habit that Louis C.K. does this rather interesting thing where he doesn't end on a big routine. Sometimes you'll just do this bit going, hey, have you seen Wizard of Oz? You know, there's this story about this thing. Yeah, bye. And you think, but you had 10 minutes ago when you were doing the whole thing about masturbating, you know, getting mice on the subway and, and wanking them off. And that was a really big routine. You've just ended up on a memory of a munchkin. <laughs> and it's kind of... a. a I, I like that idea of... Well, there's a great transparency about what he does, isn't he? And that's why he's in the studio with no decoration isn't there i actually did a um a scene in his new film last week so he's just written directed a a, a film called benjamin starring colin morgan so um he's i think he's brilliant and his new book help, help i was saying it's one of the it, it, I, as i was reading it i was like i need to read books more often um his new book help is i think it's a, a sort of compendium i think it's based on his last three stand-up shows right and then he's fleshed it out a bit. So it's very funny. It's very quick-witted. And, and um, uh, yeah, after you've read mine, you have permission to read it. <laughs> Do you... Very uh, smart. So you don't read that much, but you no, read... No, I, lo- I read loads, but I just read Reddit 
and yeah. I read just the papers and the yeah. Guardian. Articles. I just read nonsense and the tabloid. I just and my head is full of just crap. And everybody sends everyone links and cartoons and YouTube clips and everything. And it's glorious, and I love it. And I get nothing done. Ever. And, and know, all the I responses went, and yeah. the likes and all that shit. And I've definitely missed that in my life. But at the same time, I think I got, I'm got. i getting more pleasure from reading books as a result. Like I read the Elena Ferranti books, the Neapolitan... Oh, God, we almost got through the whole episode without bringing I've talked about them up. quite a lot recently. But oh, the, Matt, I've, you haven't read them, have you? I, I no, read not, them. Oh, and thank God it. for that. She's been to everyone else has. And not, I haven't either. And, oh, she's been talking incredible. to everyone. But they're about football. If they're not about football, I probably won't. But I, well, there's literally so Jackie zero Collins yesterday's hero. But Sorry? I'm... Jackie Collins yesterday's hero Love Jackie turned Collins. into a movie by with Ian McShane. What, did Jackie Collins write a book about football? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it was a book. It's certainly a screenplay. Right, yesterday's oh, hero. Oh my lord! Yeah, I write about Jackie Collins in the uh, in my oh, book. Yeah, a lot about Jackie Collins. Yeah, because McShane it. is uh, as well with as you can imagine oh, as a. Uh, Love McShane. Have you seen Forty Four Inch Chest? No. It's kind of like the same people who did Sexy Beast. Oh, really? Uh, not Jonathan Glazer, but the uh, and it, it's but it's just set in one room, pretty much, or a couple of rooms. And um, John Hurt is in it, almost playing Wilfred Bramble. He's brilliant. This is kind right. of old, but uh, Ian McShane plays even more the kind of you know the way that he's he's you know the the, the camp the threatening camp that he has in Sexy Beast. Mm-hmm. But in this, he's just there's little moments where he's just, for instance, going through his favorite you know his favorite men. And there's just this one bit where he's just leaning against Sarah and he goes, mm, Burt Lancaster, scrumptious. And it's just the way McShane delivers that is fantastic. I'm sorry, by the way, Josie, I interrupted when you were banging on about Eleanor Frantic. Anyway, there's such great books. No, um, but I, I think it does give you more space to, and it's slowed my pace down a little bit. Like now going on Twitter, I'm a bit like, oh, too much, too much. Mm. And I think before I was just constantly feeling a bit overwhelmed and a bit like, like my heart was being made to beat too fast by all the stuff that was going on. Well, I also and have like Tinder and all the dating apps oof. as well. So it's all, it's a lot going on and I need to sort it out. Once you've finished checking them all, you're ready to check them all again. Well, they all, the messages start coming through again. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I don't, I, t- I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm glad that I don't need to think about it, but I couldn't do Tinder because I think I would try and win it. <laughs> like I'd be like, right, this is a good game and it's not a game. It's about meeting people. But it's about I'm... looking at someone for less than a second and deciding with a swipe of the wrist whether you could fall in love with them or not. Oof. Brutal. Brutal. Wonderful. But also real in a way. Yeah. Like, you sort of know. Yeah. Like, I've been on dates with people where it's been like, oh, no, obviously not. As soon as you've seen What do you do on those dates? How do you... Oh, I just go out with him for a couple of years anyway. <laughs> yeah. That has actually been, since I've known you for the last 18 years, I think that probably is it, isn't That's it? Really? That's a really, really, really English response. Isn't it? You know, I wouldn't want to upset them. Um, it's all right. If you uh, only had... Is there any book that you buy every time you see it because you think, I must give that to someone? You yeah. know that thing where... Yeah, there is. Uh, the Meaning of Lyft. When I went on when I went on Desert Island Discs, I took that as my luxury. No, actually, no, I took that as my book. My luxury item was my favourite restaurant, <laughs> which they let me take. That's very smart. Was, yeah. So I mean, I I I would be, I would be the only person on a, on a desert island who got fatter, but um, I would take the meaning of lift because it's just Douglas Adams and John Lloyd, and it's just. I know this sounds sort of like the sort of thing you read on the back of a book, but it is pant-wettingly funny. And I have read it on the tube and just. 
um, just howled with laughter in public. It's it, the Dora Bryan of books, isn't it? Yeah. As far as I can see. The, uh, um, thank I, you so much. We better, we've better. we run out of time. But okay, you, but, you tell, tell us one more thing about Eleanor Frantic. No, I was just thinking about in terms of books that really, really make you laugh. And my experience of that was The Time Waster Letters, which is by Robert oh, Cooper yeah. as his mm. pseudonym, Robin Cooper. Yeah, he's one of my friends. And I, and I absolutely, well, you'll see my name on the back of it. Yes, I think it, it is. Yeah. It is. And Robert and I have done lots of funny phone calls together. Yes. And, which uh, is honestly some of the funniest things. Like When it comes to like what I have laughed at most in my life is those things that there's because I think with you especially there's like always even when it's like a prank it's still warm and real so oh no no absolutely feel... I've done a lot of prank calls with him and and that is the thing I love specifically that mm. is that they're, they're sort of victimless prank mm. calls and we do there's a great one that he's done that he did where he's just on the radio on LBC doing a phone in same guy that does Robin Cooper letters this is Robert Popper who yes. of course created, wrote, um, Look Around You with Peter Serafinovich, and is the man responsible for Friday Night Dinner on Channel 4. And uh, he'll just do a phone call to LBC, and halfway through, and he'll just go, oh, I better go, I've been stung by a wasp. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just something really small like that. So I said to him the other day, I said, we've got to do a day of phoning where we get everybody, all of our friends, to call the same TV station, and we're all, all the calls are completely straight, but every single call gets curtailed because they, the person calling in has been stung by a wasp. All of us oh, have to have to go uh, and see how long we can go before we have to get stung by a wasp and go. So <laughs> those those are the kind of things that he'll he'll do. He's it's, there's such beautiful innocence in yes, what he does. The time waste letters. Yeah. And like when he plays older characters mm. and they're so hello like, there. They've got their whole hello there. Lives. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he gets oh my god, one of my favourite ones. Sorry is. Uh, he gets rung up by somebody who's trying to sell him something and he pretends to be about 80 and then he gets his mum on the phone who's supposed to be about... Uh, anyway, sorry, that's the thing that really makes me laugh and I really recommend it. I, yeah, I I'm Matt has to go. Matt. We've sorry. just been given the signal. All right, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, these are some special thank yous for the Matt Lucas episode. We want to say thank you to Richard Bennett... Robert Hinchcliffe. No. We want to say thank you to Richard Bennett, Robert Hinchliffe, Stuart Kelly, Simon Haynes, Steve Staddelink, Lee Wolfenden, Elizabeth Billinger, and the Box of Books winner is Jenny Durkin. Well done, Jenny. Oh, I'm going to have to go to the post office again. <laughs> Congratulations, Jenny. If you get in touch with us at contact at cosmicshambles.com, we will get your Box of Books prize out to you. And also thanks to everyone uh, who's just emailed in at that email address just to say you enjoy the show or to give us book recommendations or guest recommendations or anything. We really like hearing from everyone. So if you just want to say something to us, that's, that's a good way to do it at that email address. Or you can tweet us. We're on at Cosmic Shambles on Twitter. For all the reading lists of every guest that we've had and also for some of the kind of specials we've done as well, you just need to go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles. And if you do support us via Patreon, uh, then you will get extended episodes and you may well win a box of books and there'll kind of be bonus episodes and lots of bits and pieces like that. And it's only about a dollar... Uh, an episode, and that's not even a dollar per episode. There's certain episodes that we charge for, but from now on, it will only be a maximum of three episodes a month, and more often than not, it'll be two episodes that are actually you get you'll be charged for on Patreon, and the rest of the time, it will just be free, free, free stuff. 
If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, we'd be very grateful, with caveats, obviously. <laughs> but if you'd like to, like, the thing with iTunes is if you were to leave us a five-star review, it would mean masses for us as a show because that's how shows kind of manage to stay afloat and things like that. So please do, but don't feel obliged. You know, I personally despise participating in the internet and I refuse to do it anymore. So You, you gave know, up, didn't you? The end I've of given June, up the internet. Went... I'm sick of it. And also, um, if you'd like to, if you're inclined to leave us a zero-star review, what I would do is take your hand and use it to go fuck yourself. <laughs> Too confrontational. It's a beautiful uh, but... cake here now. You can see the way that they've they've done the lovely little sponge fingers, just sticking right up the beautiful <laughs> chocolate asshole that they made. <laughs> this doesn't appear to be a chocolate asshole. Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect to have this kind of improv from Robin today, and it's a true delight. Um, I've had my teeth rewired. That's why. Oh, you yeah. can finally let the filth out. Now they've they've twisted your braces, and you've got a bit of blue can come out now. <laughs> Um, so if you like our podcast you can go onto the Cosmic Shambles network which has all kinds of podcasts they've got blogs they've got videos they've got documentaries uh, things like Science Shambles things like Chaos of Delight which is wonderful uh, things like Speakeasy uh, I really recommend it to you what I've been thinking uh, recently is there is nothing more invigorating and inspiring than listening to scientists talk about their work because there's no edge to them there's no kind of I've been thinking about how artists are so much more aggy and how I've been reading a lot of entomologists uh, and I think entomologists are the happiest people alive. <gasps> Have you read Soul of the White Ant? By no! Eugene What's that? Oh, you'll love that. It's about termites. Uh, they were known as white ants. He's a very interesting man. It's not a very long book. Well, why haven't I been told about dripping. it? You have. Remind right me. Pass me now. that and I'll write it down. I'll write it down for you. Uh, no, write it on my hand. Give me the pen. <laughs> We are going to bring back Nine Lessons and Carols for Godless People. Though it's never really been for godless people. It's just for people who uh, are non-dogmatic or overly uh, tribal generally. Uh, Just kind of lightly tribal. They're like a gathering, but they don't then believe that that particular gathering has to dominate the rest of their life. Uh, So we are going to do uh, a series of Nine Lessons and Carols uh, for Godless People and Quakers and Unitarians and all the kind people. Uh, And that is going to be at the Conway Hall in London. London on December the 16th, 19th, 20th and 22nd. And you're going to be coming along, aren't you, Josie? I'm coming along on the 20th and 22nd. And we have a lot of guests as well who have already been announced. And if you just go to the Cosmic Shambles Network, you will see who those guests are. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. Trunkman Productions.